Welcome back to another episode of the Gratitude and Grit podcast hosted by Nick Prohaska and Brad Hokinson. Nick, we finally hit uh, episode 32. Yes, we're which, here. We're here, which is, uh, I'm happy for that. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a milestone. Yeah, it's nice to uh, get 32 episodes underneath our belt. Um, so how are we feeling today? Good. Feeling good. Uh, rested. Maybe. <laughs> there, there you go. Very apropos, apropos to, the, to today. Yeah. To the topic we're going to talk about, which is uh, sleep. Yes. So I've been listening to a couple podcasts over the last week and then uh, reading a book. Um, and sleep has come up a few times. Um, and it's actually been very interesting. Uh, as we talked about, we talk about sleep quite a bit on this podcast. Um, if you listen to any sort of CrossFit or health focused, uh, podcast, they will always talk about sleep. Yeah. So, um, we have not done a dedicated episode, uh, to sleep, but as I was, um, you know, listening to this medium, uh, I heard sleep come up several times and knowing that you are probably not sleeping very much. I am a little concerned for you as a friend, and so <laughs> I, I thought I would uh, share some tidbits with you about the effects of uh, lack of sleep. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to just have this conversation. I, I think the roles might be reversed a little bit right now. I think I'm going to I'm gonna, You're gonna learn. learn something. I'm going to learn, which I'm excited about. <laughs> so what do you know about sleep, Nick? Uh, oh, man. Well, for anyone that hasn't been aware of what's going on in my life, I'm uh, the father to a five week old. So sleep comes at a premium right now. Um, any parents that are listening to this obviously know that, but if you're not a parent yet, that, um, sleep's challenging. Babies sleep randomly and sporadically and, uh, being responsible for one demands that they, you take care of it. Um, so sleep is, is critical to, just literally living and breathing and functioning overall health overall health i mean you you can't just not sleep and expect to do well at life period you know there yep. there might be those anomalies out there and people say oh i'm i do great on 4 hours of sleep a night and and may, maybe that's true I would dare to say that that's probably the exception and not the rule. I think the rule of thumb is that 99.9% of us need a set amount of sleep so that we can, again, not only just live, but perform and live and do things really well, whether we're talking about going to the gym or work or just raising our kids or, or whatever life throws at us. Sleep is a cornerstone and quality of sleep is a cornerstone of of that. So, yeah. And I think that's the big difference there is you said cornerstone and most of us would say that it's the last stone of your day. You fill in your day with all the other requirements, activities, and if sleep goes from eight hours to seven hours to six hours, well, that's just the byproduct of being busy. Busy. Sure. But as you know, Tom Billy would always remind us in his episodes, um, he made it a, a point to get to bed at 8.30 every night mm -hmm. and sleep for as long as his body would let him because he would wake up naturally. Yeah, without an alarm. But he always said, I, you know, I ran a Fortune 500 company by getting eight to nine hours of sleep, so don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. Yeah, that man, that's such a great point. Like how many of us sleep is 
an afterthought. Sleep is just what happens when we have enough time to sleep uh, and, and we interrupt our sleep or you know, sabotage is a hefty word, but we sabotage our sleep, maybe unbeknowingly. We just don't think about the importance of it and its role in our lives. It's just an afterthought yep. oftentimes, and that's that's just not healthy. Yeah. Know? And so speaking of healthy, let's, uh, let's kind of dive into a couple things here. Um, so as I mentioned, I'm reading a book called Essentialism by Greg McCown, which, um, is kind of in that, you know, family of books of self-help books, like going along with your atomic habit, Mm -hmm. a lot of your Jocko books and other self-help books. And it's kind of one of the, the hot ones right now that's been out about. So I, I started reading it and, uh, the other night I get to chapter number eight, which is titled sleep. I'm like, huh. So here it was after I listened to podcasts that day. And so I was like, well, this is interesting. So let's listen. So um, in that chapter, the way that Greg kind of sets it up is starts off talking about a story about a guy named Jeff. Um, So Jeff is the textbook overachiever who has the deep desire to make a difference in the world. Um, And Jeff is fiercely ambitious, was driven, you know, started a couple companies and did a bunch of, you know, was on boards of a lot of other companies. And Jeff traveled 60 to 70% for about a three-year period, which then restricted his amount of sleep. Mm-hmm. So Jeff says that he only slept between four to six hours a night. Um, and so what started with nighttime attacks, they kind of worsened over time. And one by one, each of his organs began shutting down. Um, his heart rate was erratic. It became painfully clear to Jeff, um, or it became painful for Jeff just to stand up straight and he had to start blending his food because of digestive system was basically wow. shutting down. Um, so it's a true story. Yeah. Wow. So Jeff is physically falling apart, uh, all sorts of messed up, but Jeff is a type A achiever and he thinks he can get it under control, which is just totally wrong because he's like, well, I'll just, you know, I know my, yeah. I'm disciplined. I can do it. I can you know, power through this. Can, I've built things. Yeah. I've overcome problems. I'll yeah. get some sleep on the weekend, that type of stuff. So totally wrong. And eventually, after a clear diagnosis from his doctor, uh, he was given two options by his doctor. He could take medications for the rest of his life and deal with the symptoms, or he could disengage from everything for a year or two and recover from his illness. And so what Jeff did is he moved to the south of France for a couple years and recovered. So he literally disengaged. He sold his company, um, quit his boards, just quit life, essentially, and moved his family to the south of France, and it ended up taking him a couple and a, a couple years to recover. That's crazy. Um, and so the way that the story kind of concludes in the book is Jeff is in a group um, in the south of France, and he goes dead and shares his story. And the key phrase that comes out of his story is, "You must protect the asset." And so obviously the asset being his body. And so. The story, I think, is a little bit on the dramatic side. Um, obviously, this is somebody that uh, was burning the, you know, <laughs> burning the midnight oil and working hard and on both doing, ends with gasoline. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was it's just amazing to see how vital sleep is uh, to our success and to long term health. Yeah, yeah, an extreme story, right? So 
you know, I, some some of us would read that and be like, well, good news, that isn't me, right? Oh, I'm yeah. not that person. But you, you look at, at the lens through ourselves and, and the scale of what we do. And, you know, I'm a parent of two kids and I have a full-time job and my wife has a full-time job and we've got this and this and this going on and we're remodeling the house and the the recipe is there. It's just a, what is the scale and the magnitude of it? Um, yeah. And I, the, the, he gives a couple other highly successful people in the chapter that basically say, you know, Monday through Saturday or whatever, they're, you know, they're working 12 to 15 hours a day and they're basically not getting much sleep. Mm-hmm. But then on the weekends, they try and they basically just sleep all really? the time. So they are, quote unquote, you know, slaves to their job. Yes. Um, but this is what is a fascinating aspect of that story is they think that being successful, you know, means to work harder. Requires that. And that's how they are getting better, but they're actually doing themselves more damage than good right. by not getting enough sleep. And maybe this is okay while you're young. I mean, I, I'm just having flashbacks of being in college and sure. having a final and we thought it was a smart idea to go uh, stay up all night and cram <laughs> because we're going to get smarter in the last three hours of the day or whatever. Yeah, yeah. we did that all. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, that's where I just think it's it's crazy in this story to, to see how bad things went to the fact where he literally had to disengage for two and a half years. Years. Well, it, yeah, and that's just, that's a testament to kind of a principle. And again, I'm no expert on sleep and we're just kind of having this conversation and, and how it applies in our lives. But it compounds so much over years and years and years. Like we, how often do we lie to ourselves and say, Oh, I had a bad night of sleep, but I'll just, I'll catch up on the weekend and I'll be all better. Things will be all, things will be good. I'll just sleep all day Saturday, which that, that just, it's not working. You know, that doesn't work. And that just leads to the recipe of, yes, I'm a slave to, I'm not protecting the asset. I'm a slave to whatever it is that you're, you know, the work or that type A or slave to your, you know, whatever. So, yeah. or it, what it, you do is, is you say, well, I'm going to catch up on the weekend and then Friday night you have some drinks and Saturday night you have some drinks. And then that gives you worse sleep because you're right. You know, drinking which sugar. Yes. And then, then you will start waking up in the middle of the night or you get terrible sleep because you have a bunch of sugar in your system because exactly. of the alcohol that you're consuming. Yep. Yeah. So, and yeah, it, you end up sabotaging yourself in one way, shape or form because you're like, Oh, I'm so busy during the week that you get home on the weekend. Like crap, I've got, you know, X, Y, and Z and and everything else to do on the weekend. And your plan to catch up on sleep fails. Or then like you said, you sabotage it by alcohol or staying up late on your phone or what, you know, watching Netflix till 2am. Like there's all, all these scenarios that, just, I love that phrase. I wrote it down, protect the asset. Like you're, you're, you're making withdrawals. If you think of it like an asset or a bank account, yeah. are you making, how many withdrawals are you making on this asset on this account? Are, or are you depositing in it in a healthy way? And you have to intentionally make deposits like that. That stuff just doesn't happen. And the deposits are, setting rules and boundaries and having an evening routine and, and protecting the asset and figuring out a way, you know, maybe you're in a season of life where you're not going to be, well, I can't get eight hours of sleep because 
you know, I'm in a season life where I'm not going to get an uninterrupted eight hours of sleep. Just not happening. But we have devised strategies as best we can, and they're going to change next week and next month and next year. But we have strategies to do as best we can with our sleep, even so much as taking naps during the day um, for, for Ashley and for myself. So uh, I, I love that, protect the asset and think of it as an asset. And you have to deposit into that int- yeah. intentionally. So let's talk about uninterrupted sleep. Uh, so in the book, um, they have a study uh, or they quote a, um, a report by the journal Nature uh, where they had over 100 volunteers and were given a number puzzle with an unconventional twist. It required finding the quote-unquote hidden code to uncover the answer. The volunteers were divided into two groups. One group was allowed to sleep for an entire eight-hour stretch of uninterrupted sleep, while the other group received interrupted sleep. The result was twice the number of volunteers who had slept for eight hours solved the problem over the sleep-deprived group. So if you got uninterrupted sleep, then you were two times as many, two, two times, times as likely to solve the puzzle. Wow. So interrupted sleep is going to affect your cognitive. Yes. Capacity. Absolutely. Yeah. That's interesting. And so the reacher, the researchers, the researchers explained that while we sleep, our brains are hard at work encoding and restructuring information. Therefore, when we wake up, our brains may have made several new neural connections that by opening up to a broader range of solutions to the problem. Mm -hmm. So going back to the type A person, he sees sleep as a weakness Uh or sees sleep as a, you know, problem. Whereas if you actually get a lot of sleep and you are getting the eight hours, it's uninterrupted, it's good quality sleep you might actually be more cognitive when you wake up and be more energized to solve the day's problems. Right. Sleep is a tool to actually help you achieve what it is you want to achieve or what you are responsible to do for that day. Like that's interesting. It's yeah. So in a nutshell, what it says is sleep is what allows us to operate at our highest level on contribution so that we achieved more. Yeah. So, I, I thought that was a really interesting uh, little article. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it do, it's not surprising that when you when you actually read it, but I did find the fact that you know it's basically saying when you're sleeping, it gives your brain a chance to kind of rest and repair itself from the day's activities. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's we live in that world, right? In the gym, we when we're not getting stronger when we're back squatting, we're, we're actually tearing our muscles down as we back squat. So we're therefore weaker, you know, our body recovers as it, as our muscles recover and and rest essentially. And they rebuild during that. And a lot of that happens physically with your physical body during sleep, but obviously also it happens with your brain. You know, again, I'm father of a five week old and he sleeps a lot. It's broken, but, and just learning about babies and infants, like the development of the child happens during sleep. So why would be, we as adults think that we 
don't live by that same principle. I mean, we know that an infant needs to sleep. If we sleep deprived an infant, there'd be hell to pay, right? The baby would just be yeah. crying nonstop. So, but you wouldn't do that to yourself. But but we would, yeah. But in now, that context, in that context, as an adult now, some some of us, those type A, you know, that Jeff was that was his name, yeah, Jeff. Essentially, sleep deprived himself, and, and we think he wouldn't not, do it to his chi- children. Yeah, but he does it to himself. But he does it to himself because he thinks, well, now that I'm adult, yep. I like that rule doesn't apply to me as a human being. Well, n- no, a, a, that that study or studies of that nature say, yeah, you, adult, like wake up, <laughs> you know, pun intended, wake up. You need to sleep so that you can be a good human being and and like function yeah. and grow. And so they also talk, um, we talked a little bit about alcohol, and so here's kind of the, uh, the segue. Uh, a Harvard Business Review article called Sleep Deficit, the Performance Killer, likens sleep deficit to drinking too much alcohol, mm-hmm. explaining that an all-nighter or going 24 hours without sleep or having a week of four to five hours a night is equivalent to have a blood alcohol level of 0.1%. Yeah, I've I've heard that or read that where that's yeah. crazy to me. And so what I, w- I was reading that and writing it down, and so I'm thinking of the 5.15 a.m. or the 6.15 a.m. Yeah. or the coaches that are coaching those classes. And if you went to bed at midnight and got to 5.15 a.m. class mm-hmm. for a period of time, you would essentially be going to the gym drunk, drunk or buzz. <laughs> sure. But yeah, healthily with yeah. a healthy buzz going. Yeah. On. Which you would most likely never do unless you go to the five fifteen PM on a Friday class. Maybe you <laughs> might, you might do that. But, uh, um, yeah, it was just, it's a cra- it's crazy again to say, you know, your, your cognitive capacity is being impacted so much by getting four to five hours of sleep that it's essentially, you know, you're drunk. I would totally attest to that right now in my state of life. I mean, I, it was a Monday it was not this Monday, last Monday. It was one of those nights where there was very little sleep and I got to the gym just to work out. I wasn't even coaching at 7:39 AM. I'm not sure, but I felt terrible. I was just off and yeah, I could liken it to being extremely buzzed on yeah. alcohol. Like I, I couldn't have imagined trying to coach or, or work or, or create or, you know, something, uh, during that. So it, that's, that's awesome. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's so hard to, to put into practice then, right? Like that's, you know, it just begs that question, like how and what do we do and why are we? Yeah. So then let me share one more with you. And uh, this one, uh, I think, again, everyone's probably heard some snippets of this or not. But so we talked about, you know, lack of sleep. We talked about it, alcohol. Now let's talk about it from a nutritional standpoint almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so sleepfoundation.org uh, has an article that says, you know, you may know your family history. You may know long what they eat, blah, 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 all these type of um food situations that will help you develop type two diabetes. But did you know that your sleep habits can also play in that role? It's true. In fact, sleep deprivation is often overlooked, but a significant risk factor for type two diabetes, a disease that involves much glucose or sugar in the blood and increases the risk of heart disease. 
And so it says the, the connection might be hard to imagine, but the primary reason is if you're not sleeping, then you are obviously awake. And so your hormone levels um, get thrown out of whack. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, uh, with, with sleep loss, you have less insulin uh-huh. that reg- regulates your blood sugar. Uh, is released in the body after you eat. Meanwhile, your body secretes more stress hormones, such as cortisol, cortisol, which helps you stay awake, but makes it harder for insulin to do its job effectively. The net effect, too much glucose stays in the bloodstream, which can increase your risk for de- developing type 2 diabetes. And so these effects have been seen with getting between four and a half hours to six hours of sleep per night. So the last one was four to five hours. This one even brings it up to six hours of sleep, which I would think some people would say, hey, that's not too bad. Sure. Totally. Um, wow. But in particular, a decrease in slow wave or deep sleep, which is impacted by alcohol as mm-hmm. well, uh, which is thought to be the most restorative stage of sleep, seems to play a major role in maintaining proper, proper insulin sensitivity and blood sugar control. In addition, getting too little sleep can increase your appetite and reduce the level of um, your sanity. And so, therefore, you start going down the nutritional side of it. Mm -hmm. You start eating carbohydrates, sugary foods. Your body craves that. Soda. Wow. All these things because you think that it's going to make you have more energy. Right. You overeat which all this plays into obesity and type 2 diabetes. And it, it literally, you're just packing a snowball of on the track of type 2 diabetes. You know, you're, yeah, just keep chasing your tail. Like, so if we go back to your Monday where you're not feeling very well, you don't get a lot of sleep. Yep. So then do you eat, you know, yeah. do you eat more lunch or do you eat more snacks, which I know you're not eating Snickers bars all day long, but you might start reaching for some of these things, the, you know, the two o'clock candy bar, the two o'clock soda to really try and kick it home and uh, get you through the day. Honestly, like that's, that's interesting to think about. Uh, ironically enough, I've been tracking not perfectly, but I've been tracking my macros and my calorie count here for just over two weeks. Um, and Jordan's been helping me and kind of looking at, the, at that and talking me through that. And my, my, my macro count has been off and that's kind of a, a side topic, but I'm wondering if I'm actually eating more calories now than I was two, three months ago. You know, my calorie counts have been up, uh, substantially and I, and I feel like it's a normal calorie count, but it might actually be a little high and I'm wondering, is it this play? And I have gained a, f- a few pounds, honestly, but everyone would say, oh, that's, you know, dad weight, whatever, but, you know, but, yeah. but it's a true thing and, and it's a common thing. So the question is, why does that happen? Is it, you know, the chicken or the egg, the sleep or the food? And it's a little, the answer is yes, both. Yeah. Well, if you're awake more and you're eating a little bit more, yeah. your exercise is the exact same. Exactly. If not, maybe a little diminished because you're tired, mm-hmm. right? So you might skip a workout or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, so then again, it's almost you're, you're, you're gaining weight yes. because of lack of sleep. Because of lack of sleep. Yeah. yeah. Lack of quality, lack of quality sleep. And I totally believe that. I mean, that the deep sleep is the restorative sleep. And I can tell for sure that when I get it or when I get into it or when I miss it, you know, the, the REM sleep, I believe is kind of the, the dream state mm-hmm. sleep, right? And that's a, 
even though we think that we're like deep asleep because we're dreaming, that's not, our brain is active, right? And that's the restorative sleep comes in a deep sleep. And I think you go REM, the cycle is REM sleep and then deep sleep. Yes. Or I'm not sure. Not, not a guru. But there is, <laughs> there is a cycle of, you know, light sleep, REM sleep, yep. deep sleep, light. And I don't know if, what, what order those go in, but, um, that's cool. That's interesting. But I did also read, um, through these articles and things that also just taking a nap mm-hmm. in the afternoon or, you know, in the morning, whenever you kind of get back, when you get calling under control, Yeah, that, um, just taking a decent nap and some people argue the time frame of that, but mm-hmm. if you're able to hit a, a rim cycle or in order to get some good sleep, yeah. that that is also a, um, a huge asset yes. um, to protect the asset. Yeah. Which, which again, if you know anything about me, I, I'm a big proponent of naps. I mean, my schedule lends itself to it, whether I get six or eight or 10 hours of sleep, if I'm awake early coaching and then I'm coaching later in the afternoon, it's my energy levels are, are changing constantly throughout the day. And I've always been a proponent of naps. Um, which honestly probably help me in, in my current state because I am prior, still prioritize naps, whether it's 20, 30 minutes or you know, if I'm fortunate enough to say, you know what, I'm just going to block off an hour and 90 minutes and, and take, take a good chunk of naps. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, to kind of wrap it up. So what do we do about this? And so now hopefully everyone has at least a, a good idea of the importance of sleep as you probably yeah. did know before, but yeah, the awareness you know, of maybe read a couple more articles, check it out. But we've given you a few examples here of, you know, somebody named Jeff that basically ran his life into the gutter there because of a lack of sleep. We've talked about it, the effect almost being equivalent to being drunk. Yeah. And then we talked about it from, um, a diabetic standpoint. And I've heard that several times where I think it was like a Stanford study where they, basically said, you know, you take a, somebody that works out a lot and after, you know, three or four nights of, you know, lack of sleep or poor mm-hmm. sleep, they almost were pre-diabetic. Yeah. And so it's, it's crazy to see how that, uh, how that plays out. But so a couple things we could probably do is number one, I think it always starts with hydration and we talk about mm-hmm. that a lot yeah. is, is making sure your body is, is really well hydrated. Yeah. And then number two is, is really making a priority to get to sleep on time. I think so. And I think now, you know, with the iPhone apps and most people will tell you do not have your phone in the room, do not have, you know, anything that emits light in your room. But I'm a big fan of the sleep um, clock Mm -hmm. on the iPhone because you can set it to eight hours. Yes. And if you go to bed at 930, you know that you're going to get up at this time and you know if you're bumping up against to it because you got to slide the dial then either you're going to sleep yeah. a little bit longer in the morning or you have to cut your time short, yep. which is kind of automatically an instant no-no. So, Yeah, I think that's great. This is one of those, like most things, where if I was talking to somebody and trying to coach them through, hey, how do I make changes to get better sleep? And let's, you know, thinking most conversations would usually start with the quality of sleep versus the quantity, but sometimes it's the, the quantity too. It's like, man, you've got you got to start somewhere and maybe for some people the starting place is yeah use your eye use your phone to do that there's a laundry list of things to start with but you've got to start with one thing and stay consistent with it and this is you know going down a habit rabbit trail but you know that could be 
making a rule of no phone or no TV in your bedroom or whatever that is. I mean, it could be a hard bedtime where you set, you know, reminders and Alexa, hey, remind me to go to sleep or yep. uh, remind me to start a cool wind down process or stretch at 9 p.m. or brush your teeth at a certain time, like some sort of trigger that'll say it is time for bed. Um, Cause it, it could be daunting or it could be one of those things where people listen to this and be like, yep, not me. Yeah. My life, I can't do it. I mean like, no, Jeff, you can't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, Jeff, like <laughs> you, you can, you can do, you can do something. You just got to make it a priority. You've just got to make it a priority. And that right? was, you know, going back to Tom Bilyeu, you know, founder of Quest or one of the founders of Quest. I mean, he said he went to bed at eight 30 every night mm-hmm. and, Guy made it work. Yeah. You know? So you can, Jeff Bezos uh, is quoted in this book as well. And, and he says that, um, I think more clearly and feel much better all day long if I get eight hours of sleep. Yeah. So richest guy in the world, you know, he's got a lot of stuff going on. He's, he's got, got a lot a of people. Calendar. He yeah. had a lot of people that's won his time. You know, he says it's very important to get eight hours of sleep. Yeah. Well, and he's a guy obviously that understands assets and liabilities. Yep. You know, and, and what does it mean to protect an asset or expose yourself to more liability? And, yep. you know, that, that's a testament to it. Yeah. We're us normal people aren't immune to that or above that. So yeah, we've got to figure out a way to prioritize it. Yeah. So a couple of things, um, that I've done and that's always recommended as well too is, um, you know, obviously the iPads and the phones, you mm-hmm. know, they have the blue blockers, but I actually got new lenses that have blue blockers in them. Um, so on your glasses, on my glasses, oh, nice. cause I wear glasses 24 seven. So they have the blue blocker lenses that's within it. So that helps, um, with that through work all day long and yeah, also helps with, uh, cause I do like watching some YouTube before I go to bed or like watching, uh, Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. Um, also installed a extra air conditioner in my that's bedroom. Right. Yeah. We had just that like a little window yeah. unit. It's been 150 bucks at Home Depot and temperature and light is so critical. And but now yeah. get it down to 68 degrees because yeah. we have a, a two story house. So to get the upper story down to 68 degrees, 68 degrees would take a, take a lot of energy to get, yeah, your AC to run yeah. all the way up there that cold. Yep. So I feel like that helps out a lot. We went ahead and bought a new mattress just because it was time as well. And that's good. And so that's paying dividends. And so we're just kind of, we're kind of just transforming the old, you're getting, uh, you're getting it. sleep. Yeah. Sleep cycle. Right. A year from now you look back and like, man, we, we did 10 different things that impacted the quality and quantity of our sleep. And that's, that's what it's all about. I love, yeah, that's a simple one to start with is the temperature and the light in the room. If you feel like you're not having a good quality of sleep, even if you're sleeping five hours a night, like me, what's the temperature? Is it too hot? Like you've got to cool it down. And then how much light ambient light is in there and you figure out a way to black everything out, you know, blackout curtains and just no light while you're sleeping is, is critical to the quality of the sleep. So that, that's a, like a quick, easy checklist where you don't have to do anything. You set, you program your thermostat or you buy a window AC unit, you get some blackout curtains and now you're on your way to a little bit better quality sleep and then you do something else. That's right. That's right. So 
hopefully now you're a little bit smarter with uh, sleep. Yeah. And you'll talk to Colin today about it, and you'll tell him the importance of uh, sleep. Sleep. Well, the good news is, and I was telling you this beforehand, like, I feel very fortunate. I don't know what normal infants are like, but we're getting four or five hours of sleep each night, and then it's kind of random and sporadic for there. So I can definitely tell a difference when it's like three, three and a half hours or a full five-hour stint. It's my energy level when I wake up like, whoa, that was really long. But uh, I do look forward to, we're reading a lot about sleep training, actually, for the infant. And the goal is to get that kid sleeping I can't remember what the timeline is, but to get a, a baby to sleep through the night, eight, ten hours or more by a certain age, month, I don't know, six months or something, five months. Um, but the, it, it's funny, you know, then we can close with this, but that's that's something that's important to us. One, because we know that that's Im- very important and critical to his development, but it's also critical to our sanity. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't just accept, oh yeah, my baby or uh, my child will not, sleep through the night like no i i feel like i can train yep that behavior so that he's healthy and so that we are healthy and that's been a conscious decision and we're, and we're taking actions and strategies to do that so that ashley and i can stay healthy and sane and so that our child will grow and develop awesome well let's wrap with that let's do it thanks so now you all know the importance of sleep so yeah uh, so get it done kci get it done <laughs>